Have you ever met somebody that makes you feel like you are a slouch? Like they have their life so put together and they are in just 10 speed and it makes you sit back and think, man, I have to get my butt in gear. And that is exactly how Christian Klug makes me feel. That dude is a hustler. That guy has a lot of irons in the fire. And uh, I connected with Christian a long time ago when I first got into real estate. And uh, he put on a presentation that I just thought was just so great and really empowering. And I can see why he, he leads an entire team in Amsterdam, New York, uh, as well as being the district manager, as well as being an appraiser, as well as being an investor, as well as being a dad, as well as being a hockey player. This dude does so much, and he has his life and his, his process through the day down to a science. And it has really yielded him a lot of big results. I really enjoy talking to Christian Klug. He's uh, a great human being, a wonderful agent, an even better manager, and an awesome dad. I hope you find immense value out of our conversation, even if you are not in the real estate world, because Christian is uh, just full of really great information and knowledge. There are some serious knowledge bombs that were dropped in today's episode. If you are watching this episode on YouTube, do me a favor, make sure you hit subscribe and like the video. Again, these are two free things that only cost you 10 seconds of your time and zero dollars out of your pocket. So please, please, please like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. I appreciate you for listening to this episode. Episode 98 with my friend Christian Klug. Christian, first of all, I'm just going to say thank you very much for doing this because, uh, man, I met you, I think, pre-COVID when you did yeah. the talk at our Syracuse, the Camillus office. Yep, yep, I remember that. It it was really cool because I I felt inspired when I left that presentation. Are you often doing those kinds of presentations for other offices? Yeah, so pre-COVID, uh, I was doing a fair amount of traveling around, talking at different Howard Hanna offices, and uh, really had started doing more of that. And then, of course, COVID hit, and everything kind of changed. We couldn't meet in person. Um, I actually did a pretty regular, uh, I think they called it Motivation Mondays, uh, that I did for Howard Hanna corporately. So we did that company-wide. Uh, I did that for Howard Hanna during the COVID year, so it was that twenty. 2020, right? So, or 21, whatever year that was. So we kind of, we try to forget that COVID stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to do that again, right? So for that year, we did a bunch of virtual, but then when we got out of COVID and things started opening back up, my position and role kind of changed a little bit. And so haven't done traveling since then. And actually, as my kids started getting a little older, you know, my, my oldest is 15 now, my youngest is 11. I, the travel wasn't as appealing to me as it was when my kids were younger. When my kids were younger, things aren't as busy and I, I love to travel, but now it's uh, I try to stay a little closer to home. Yeah. And your kids keep you busy, man. You guys are doing a lot of hockey and yep. you guys are doing other sports too, right? Yeah. Kids all play hockey. Well, my, my oldest is the most in the hockey, but my middle child, he's quite the mountain biker now. And, uh, and then my youngest, he's just up for whatever. So we, all the kids stay busy between sports and, jobs and activities and of course school and everything else. How did you get into real estate to begin with? Yeah, so interesting. I started as a real estate appraiser in 2002. So graduated high school in 2000 and was going into criminal justice. So I was going to local community college, taking criminal justice classes, kind of thought I'd like to go into the law enforcement field and, uh, I was too young to take the civil service. Uh, so it's actually interesting. I was doing my ride along with a local city police department and it was like two in the morning, you know, so a ride along, if you don't know what that is, it's, you're not hired yet. You're just like an observer, but it's meant for college students to be able to go get some time with law enforcement. I don't even know if they still do it. They may not in today's day, but 20 years ago they did. And so I was doing my ride along two, three in the morning and not the best section of town. And the guy I was with, it was a guy I knew from my church. Uh, 
he gets done arresting someone for something. I don't remember what it was. And he just goes to me, he goes, you know, Christian, this is a tough business. He's like, you'll do fine. He's like, but you know, I think you're an entrepreneur. And I didn't know that about myself yet. I, maybe I did, but I didn't. Sure. And he just goes, I think you should look for other options. And if nothing works out, keep law enforcement as your backup plan. Now, oh. ironically, 20 years later, uh, that officer retired and now he's a realtor with Howard Hanna and he works for me in my office. <laughs> just this morning, he was in the office, put some deals together. So it came full circle. So that was a pretty insightful moment um, because then about a year later, I had another guy from my church come to me and say, hey, Christian, uh, you want to become a real estate appraiser. So this is 2002. Think housing boom, post 9-11, things are busy. You know, everyone's buying houses. And uh, I'm like, well, you know, I, I got a good thing going at a warehouse I was working at, loading trucks. And I've got this law enforcement thing. And he's like, look, just come try it out. And after like three months of doing some appraisals, I was just like, man, first of all, I looked at the paycheck. And I was like, that, I, I kind of like that. And then uh, I just, <laughs> right. So I got bit by the real estate bug right away. You know what they say? It's either in your blood or it isn't. And it was in my blood. So I did appraisals full-time from 2003 to 2007. And then uh, coming to 2007, we as appraisers at the time started to feel the market kind of shift, right? We now looking back, we know the recession was about to hit. And uh, so I said to myself, man, I better have a plan B, right? Because my, my first kid was just born in 2008. So I went and got my real estate license as a plan B. And then I found out that I liked real estate sales better than appraising. So then I what was it? What was it about the sales end that you liked more? So I think with, with appraising, and I am an analytical personality, so I love numbers. I like appraising. And so I'm still an appraiser today. Like I still do some appraisals, very, very little, but I do a little bit just to keep myself sharp, mainly private stuff for, uh, you know, divorce or estate planning or things like that. Um, but with appraising, there's not a lot of relationship there, right? Like you show up, you write the you meet the person, you write the report, and then it's goodbye. What I like about real estate is the relationship that you build. And you know, here I am today doing business with the same people I did business with 15 years ago when I started yeah. selling, right? Or I sold them a house in 2010. They tore it down, built a new place on the lake, and now we're reselling that for a million dollars 10 years later. So I like the relationship part of the business. And I guess I'm just a natural salesman and not a lot of sales and appraising, but I still like appraising too. But yeah, sales just kind of, once I start yeah, selling, I like there's it. no like connection when, with the appraisal aspect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now you're still doing appraisals every once in a while, but not really. Yeah. Like some months I'll do zero. Some months I may do five. It's just kind of random. Yeah. Which I uh, like. Okay. I, don't, I don't really do any bank work, just all private stuff. Like I said, just kind of keep myself sharp, keep myself in the game, keep my license active for appraising. That's cool. And you had your license while like you got your real estate license when the housing market crashed. Yeah. So I like to tell this joke. So I got my real estate license on July, like 11th, uh, 2008. And I think like <laughs> July 14th was literally the day that like people say that was the day the recession started, like literally three wow. days before the recession. Like yeah. what a great time. Right. Yeah. But in hindsight, it was because here, here's what happened. I felt like in late 2008, early 2009, there was a lot of realtors who did this. Right. They did, you know. You know what that is, right? See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. So they didn't want to tell people the truth. And the truth was your property's worth 30% less. And I just went in as an analytical appraiser background. And I was just like, within six months, I was like, yeah, it's clear. Numbers don't lie. Your house is worth 30% less. So if you want to sell it for 200, great. If you still think it's worth 260, don't list it. And so what happened was other realtors were taking listings at whatever price they wanted. I only took listings who had already accepted the fact of the value change. And so then I would list stuff and it would sell. And so quickly within one year, I gathered a reputation of, well, Christian actually selling stuff. The other place is just listing. me. And there was a number yeah. of other factors. Well, when I started the real estate companies in my area weren't MLS. They weren't realtors. They were doing open listings. It was, it was crazy. It was a different world back then. So I was very, very much 
forward thinking MLS multiple list, you know, Cobroke and whatnot. So ran that for 10 years. And then in 2018, sold my real estate company to Howard Hanna. And of course, I've now been with them coming up six years. Yeah, right. And I, I think that was about the time I, I got in in May of 2018. That must have happened very recently after when you had come to do July, a yeah. presentation in Canellis. July, right July 2018 is when my Howard Hanna uh, story begins. Oh, wow. That is cool. And you sold for a long time and ran your own brokerage, right? Yeah. So 10 years, I was an owner, operator, selling broker. So I was managing a number of offices, about 70 agents, and I was selling as the broker as well. And in part of that transition from owning a brokerage is, once again, I learned over time, you know, as you get older, you learn things about yourself. I learned that I like managing, I like selling some real estate, but I don't necessarily like owning a brokerage, right? So I'll uh -huh. let I'll let Hobie and Hottie and Helen deal with all that crazy stuff, right? And then yeah. Al and Bree and all my superiors in the HANA organization, I let them deal with all the stuff I don't like. So I just get to work with agents and work with customers. And I just got done meeting with an agent. He's a $20 million a year producer and helped him grow his business. And he's worked hard. And I love being a partner with him and him growing his business and strategizing for, okay, what are we going to do next year? to help you meet your goals. So yeah, that yeah. was gonna be like part of the conversation is how if someone's coming to you and say, Christian, I want to bring my business from 5 million to 7 million. How exactly do you formulate a game plan for them to accelerate their business? Did you, did you notice the product placement? Oh, nice. The Howard Hanna water bottle. Shout out. Unfortunately, my product placement is 1911. <laughs> okay, so how do you help an agent grow their business? Okay, so first of all, I think one of the the, the first things you need to do is, is is really talk about what do you really want, right? Like people just say, well, I want to sell this amount. Okay, well, why? What's the why? What's the reason? Don't have it just be, well, I sold four million last year, now I want to sell five. Well, that's a pretty crappy reason. What needs to be more is like, okay, no, here's my financial goals. Here's my life goals. Here's how much money I need to accomplish them, whether it's putting kids through college or doing investments or having that work-life balance or maybe working so your spouse doesn't have to or whatever it is, right? What are your goals? Okay, now what level of income do you need to be at to accomplish those goals? And then once you have that figured out, then it's really just a, a matter of setting a plan in place, okay? What actions need to take place in order for you to do whatever, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. You know, it's, once again, it's just math and you're not going to go from zero to 20 million. So, you know, if, if a 3 million producer comes and says, I want to do 20 million next year, I would say, well, how about 20 million in three years? Cause it's going to take us some years to get there. But if a 3 million producer says, I want to do 5 million next year, it's really not that hard. You just have to look down and say, okay, what actions did you take to get 3 million? And what more do we need to do to get to 5 million? We just need to have a very clear strategy of what marketing strategies you're using to generate leads. Cause that's, that's really all it is. We're in the lead generation business. Right. Right. Just how many, how many names and people can you get in front of and introduce yourself and stay top of mind? You know, what, what's one of your best ways that you like to prospect for clients or recommend your agents do? So back in 2011, so this is like the second, third year I'm in sales and I didn't have any clue what I was doing, right? I'm just winging it. And I was just hustling. What it was is, is in 2008, 9, and 10, I had a PhD. You know what a PhD is? Yes. I was poor, hungry, and determined. Right? Yeah. So I had a kid at home. He wasn't getting any cheaper. In 2011, I had a second kid coming. I had a big mortgage and I, I was poor, hungry, and determined. So I just freaking hustled, right? So, but I'll be honest, at the end of 2011, I'm like, man, this is, this is hard work. And I just thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. And I, I got a little lucky. In 2010 or 11, we had our local realtor day in Albany for the Greater Albany Association of Realtors. And they had a guest speaker that year who... <laughs> When I tell you who it was, you'd be like, no way he came and spoke at a little board of realtors meeting, right? But I found out later the reason he did this is his company was losing money because of the recession. And so he basically went and spoke for free 
to every board of realtors that he could speak at in the entire country. And he did that in order to get more people into his business. So this guy's name is Brian Buffini. So oh. Brian Buffini, yeah. So Brian Buffini flies in on his private jet to Albany International Airport <laughs> and he speaks at the Desmond Motel to 500 realtors from, from the Greater Capital Association of Realtors, GCAR, which in Syracuse, you're like Gerber. Are you still Gerber? Greater GSTAR. Greater Syracuse Association of Realtors. Yeah. I know there was the Greater Utica Rome Board of Realtors back in the day, whatever. So yeah. imagine the Syracuse Board of Realtors hires Brian Buffini, and Brian Buffini flies into Hancock Airport and <laughs> speaks at the Destiny Hotel, right? Like that would yeah. be the comparison. And Brian Buffini just gets up and he talks, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this dude's the real deal. And he was speaking yeah. my language about working by referral. And it, for anyone who's watching who doesn't know who Brian Buffini is, he's very much about working your relationships working your people that you know, and just really connecting uh, a, re a referral-based business. So I bought his book, Work by Referral. I read it and I was a little skeptical. So I said, well, I'm going to try to implement some of these strategies. So I started implementing those strategies. And then within like six months to a year, the business just took off. And so quickly, I was like, man, if this works for me, it's going to work for my agents. So since that day in 2011, there's been zero holding back and really just continuing to implement Brian Buffini's strategies, but other strategies that, that coincide with his, right? So I'm very much focused on those core actions of connecting with your database, connecting with your center of influence, whether it's by mailers, personal notes, in-person, phone calls, and then I added one. So those are the core four that Brian Buffini talks about. I added one in there, and that's social media. So the five actions that I, I implement on a daily, weekly basis is my mailers, you know, snail mail and email, my personal notes, my phone calls, my in-person touch or pop by, and then my social media. And so I always say that those five are not a buffet. Like you can't just pick one or two of them. You have to do all five. And so it's those five that I just pour myself into on a regular basis every single day. And those five generate those leads. And it's those same five that I encourage my agents to do. And that's what's helped them grow their business as well. Yeah. And I, I bet you 2011, his book, probably social media wasn't as big as it was now. You know? No, I, only did, I wasn't even on Facebook in 2011. I was still in the camp of Facebook is for a bunch of, you know, high school and college kids. Why am I College kids, on? right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I got either. social media like 2013. Really? That's hilarious. Well, I, yeah, I it's, a, it's been instrumental to to building my business. Social media has been Ooh. super important. And it's funny, I've never heard of the five touch points before. That was really cool. Like I feel like I have treated that in some respect as like a buffet where I like I try mailers and then I'm like, oh, doesn't work. Did it for three, did it for two months, didn't like it. And that's my fault for not sticking through with it and keeping up with those mailers. Is that something that like, do you farm say like one area every single week that you hit with those mailers? So I, I don't do any farming outside of my COI. So everything's to my COI. All right. Yeah. So I'm only focusing on those, you know, three to 500 relationships that I have in my database. So those are the three to 500 people that are in my cell phone. Right. So when, when they call me, I know who they are. When they, when I call them, they know who I am, right? So I'm only focusing on those relationships. Now, I continually add new people in there and some people get taken out of there. I mean, unfortunately, in 15 years of business, some of my clients have died, right? They've, they've just passed away. They've gotten older. Some people have moved away and moved so far away, they're not coming back. I mean, it's kind of a problem with upstate New York, right? A lot of people go yeah. south. But I sold their house. They moved south. They're not coming back. So I always want to be continually adding new people into my database, not necessarily growing it. Cause I think there does come a point where your database can be too big. You know, I don't want a yeah. database of a thousand people, but I definitely don't want 150. I want to have between four to five, maybe 600 really solid uh, database relationships. And even within that, I'm going to have about 50 a plus. These are the people who are like my creme de la creme. They're sending me yeah. a ton of referrals. And these are the people I really pour into. Yeah, that's uh, I did the uh, Joe Ran the summer sprint program, and yep. he was all it was the same kind of idea that you're talking about with Brian Buffini is like how you serve your uh center of influence, how do you serve your your friends, family, 
and uh, he had a top 100. The top yeah. 100 are the contacts of all the people, like you said, gave you lots of referrals, send you business all the time, is always in contact with you. That's your top 100 cheerleading squad. Sure. And you're always taking names out and adding new names in because not everybody coexists there forever. You know. Well, and here's one thing that I'm focusing on as well is, and, and this is a hard truth of real estate that some people, someone's not going to like what I'm about to say. Okay, but I, it's it's a fact. You can disagree with what I say, but but you're wrong. <laughs> and here's the reality, right? This business you're compensated based upon the sale price of the house, right? So the 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 five hundred or million dollar house is not more work than the hundred and fifty or two hundred, right? And we live in upstate New York where there are. 150 and 200,000 dollar listings, right? And sure, you might get a little higher percentage at that lower price point, but the commission will be a third to a fourth to a fifth of the higher price, and it's it's really the same or even more work because sometimes that lower price point just demands a little bit more of you. It tends to be that the people on the higher end of the of the demographic tend to respect your time a little bit more. Now, look, I'm not going to walk away from a $200,000 listing. Don't get me wrong. I'm taking all of it, right? I'll yeah, take right. the $40,000 listing and do a flat fee. But yeah. I want to focus on how do I get more of the four, five, six, seven. I just put one in contract for 942, right? That's oh. a better day. Uh, a a yeah. 942, it took me a year and a half to get that listing. It was a lakefront property. I was very intentional and really focused on it. And I've got one right now that if if it goes through, it'll be by far my biggest ever. Uh, buyer side, not a double side, buyer side, but it'll be a 3.1 mil commercial purchase. Dang. I mean, if, if, if my goal is to do 10 million a year, like that's a third of my yearly volume in one yeah. year. But once right. again, go through my database and say, okay, who are the people in my database who are likely going to bring in the higher price point? Let me pour into them a little more with reaching out to them, taking them to lunch, connecting with them, uh, building a relationship with them. Yeah. And so with this, this lake house listing, you said you've been basically nurturing this for a year and a half. What does that look like? What are you doing for a year and a half with that client? Yeah. So this was super interesting. So this is awesome. This guy was a teacher in my high school. I never had him. Uh, our high school taught two languages, French and Spanish. And I had no desire to take Spanish. And uh, me gusto mucho español porque yo tengo mucho amor por República Dominicana porque yo tengo la casa en República Dominicana en la playa. So did you understand Man. anything I said? Zero of it. Okay. So I just said I have a lot of love for Spanish because I love the language and I own a house on the beach in a Dominican. It's an Airbnb. So I have a desire to speak the language. So this guy was the French yeah. teacher. So I never took him because I wanted Spanish. So anyway, <laughs> but he was a realtor as well. So the guy actually had been oh. from 2008 to about 2020. He got out of the business right when COVID hit. He's just like, look, I'm 70 years old. I'm done. And so we had been competitors. And I, I would say there had probably been a couple of deals where, you know, there's a little bit of friction, just like there always is, but it always stayed very professional. And there was always a mutual respect there. And, and him and I always had that collaborative, but competitive relationship where, hey, how do we work together to better our clients? And so just stayed super friendly with him. And I'd see him around town. And and uh, one day he, he got out of the business and he referred me somebody, which I was super surprised that he referred me someone. And because uh, I'm just like, oh, I, I didn't know that I was going to be the person that he referred when he yeah. got out of the business. So I did what Brian Buffini teaches you to do. When someone sends you a referral, what do you do? You thank send them. Send a thank you note right? and a gift. Well, I sent him a thank you note. I think I gave him a $25 Stewart's gift card, which Syracuse, you don't have Stewart's yet, do you? Yeah, we do. We, best ice cream ever. Okay, so you do have Stewart's. All right. So, you know, <laughs> Stewart's is kind of like a cult when you get closer to Saratoga Springs, which is the home of Stewart's, which is our market, right? So I think I gave him a $25 Stewart's gift card. Personal note. Hey, Kirk, thanks so much for referring me. And he referred me a $180,000 ranch. It wasn't any, you know, right home about listing, but it was a good listing. I took it, right? And uh, so I just sent him a thank you. We stayed in touch. He would spend his winters in Florida. And then over the last couple of years, he would come back and we'd chat. And he goes, yeah, Christian, someday I'm, I'm going to sell my house. And, you know, I'm thinking of downsizing. And I said, hey, man, 
let me know. I'm happy to help any way I can. And so then last fall, I saw him walking around town. I said, hey, Kirk, I know you've talked about selling the future. I'm not sure if you've watched what's gone on with Lake Values, but we're literally up 30 to 40% just in the last 18 months. I go, they're insane. You know, your house was probably worth four to 500. Right now it's probably worth 650 or seven. And he's just like, oh my goodness, Christian, I can't believe it. That's crazy. I, I, I know it's, it's insane, right? So then this spring, uh, I, I called him up. I said, hey, Kirk, are you back in town? He goes, no, I'm coming back next month. I said, great, let's meet up when you get back. And I just, once again, I targeted him knowing that this might happen. And I said, Kirk, look, I, I know you've talked about selling the future. At what price would it need to be for you to sell now? And he goes, I don't know. I have to talk to my wife. I said, well, is it 750? Is it 800? Is it 900? Is it a million too? And he goes, well, a million for sure. I said, okay, well, let me come look at it. So fast forward, I keep following up, keep following up. And he finally goes, okay, Christian, come on over and look at it. So I give him a price. I say, look, I think you're under a million. Um, I don't think you're over a million, but here's where you are. So then he does what all of us hate. What, what, what does he do after I give him all the information? He refutes it. No, he goes and lists by owner. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But he's a, he's an old realtor, right? Yeah. But he can't get it in the MLS. He doesn't do the marketing. And he listed for $9.85, right? And long story short, after two weeks, he's like, Christian, I'm done. Take it. So I listed it. Had a couple offers come in that were well below list price. We ended up getting it in contract. And it closes here in a couple of weeks. And it will be the new record on our lake for a property that crosses a road to get to the water, it'll be a new record in terms of uh, sale price. So uh, and that whole relationship was just from you nurturing and watering that relationship right. for a year, three years. Correct. Correct. Well, it, it really it started because he gave me a referral, and yeah, I right. thanked him for the referral. And I'd say that referral came because when I dealt with him in the past, it was just. You know, we just had a good working relationship. So you never know where those relationships may lead in the future. But just because I had that relationship and just because he referred me a listing, it still didn't give me that listing. I still had the hustle. Yeah. I still had the work. So then what's yeah. super cool, just yesterday. So what does Brian Buffini tell us to do? He says, you need to ask for referrals, right? So just yesterday, I'm on the phone with this client. Hey, Kirk, your deal is going great. You're you're ready to close here in a couple of weeks. You know, inspections done, appraisals done. You're good. Hey, Kirk, I went through all his old deals of the last decade, and I wanted to see who some of his contacts were. Right, and I said, Hey, I know that um, you're good friends with the uh, the people on the Sinclair Mansion. So I live on a, a peninsula called Sinclair Point. Right, it's about a three long peninsula with the lake on each side. I live on the west side. A lot of people are on the east side and both sides are on the same lake because the lake is like a U. And there's this one parcel. It's called the Sinclair Mansion because it's owned by the Sinclair family, right, out of New York City. And, uh, you know, they've probably got 120 acres with a couple thousand feet of lakefront. And about yeah. 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, he listed a parcel that was just part of it that they subdivided off and sold. And we actually sold some of those lots. So I said, Kirk. I know that you have a relationship with this family. Um, I don't know what their plans are for the future, but it's literally one of the last large parcels on our lake that's undeveloped. Like right now, they're haying, they're haying, how do I say that word? They're cutting hay on yeah. this lakefront parcel. I mean, how many lakefront parcels in New York State do you see that are still literally hay fields and cornfields? Hardly not ever. Many, right? Yeah. Hardly ever. And this is not some disgusting lake that nobody wants on. This is the great Sakanaga Lake. And so it's probably a, a couple million dollar piece of real estate. So I just said, hey, Kirk, could you do me a favor? I, I think you're happy with my services. I, I hope I've done well for you. He goes, Christian, you've been amazing. You, you, you did everything you said you were going to do. You got me a great price, blah, blah, blah. I said, would you be able just to connect me with whoever the contact is for the Sinclair family. I said, I would love to just have that connection, especially with your blessing that you could recommend them to me. Now that you're out of the business, you can tell them I did a great job for you and just give me that connection for the future. And he goes, Christian, I'd love to. And I said, I don't care if you give me their number or just give them my number. You choose how to do that. So he texted me yesterday and he goes, Hey, Christian, just want to let you know, I just sent your contact information to, you know, so-and-so who's the head of that family. And uh, he's got all your information. I gave you a high recommendation. That's what it's about 
is building those relationships and then asking for those referrals. Hey, if I did a good job for you, who else can I go do a good job for that you can recommend me to? Not And not being afraid to ask for the referral because I know there's a part of me that gets a little nervous and a little scared when I'm like, do you have anybody who would refer my business? And I don't know why I'm like that. All right. It's like, it makes no sense. I I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. Why am I so scared to ask for a referral? Especially when you hear the word no. What's that? You don't want to hear the word no. Right. 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 Which is like a barrier for like a lot of people that don't want to hear the word no, but unfortunately in our business, they just have to get used to it. Right. Well, here's a good way to look at it. Do you want to hear no from a client or do you want to say no to your wife or your kids or your family. Right. That's it. Yeah. I, I get to choose that. I either say no, I either hear no from a client or I say no to my family because we can't go do the things we want to do because I didn't meet my goals. I got to say no to buying my wife that new car. I got to say no to allowing my kid to pursue this education, right? My 15 year old wants to pursue aviation right now, right? And I'm all in. I'm like, dude, I would love for you to get your pilot's license. He's 15 years old. I think that's a great thing for a 15 year old, but let's, it doesn't take two rocket scientists to figure out that aviation is not a cheap industry to get into as a 15 year old, right? It's going yeah, yeah. to yeah. cost dad some money, but yeah. what, what dad, what parent doesn't want to offer those, their kids those opportunities? Okay. Well, I got to be willing to go out and take the risk and hear the word no from somebody. But if I hear the word no four times at work, but I hear the word yes once, that yes can result in a sale that results in a success that allows me to go do things for my family, do things for my friends, do things for my church, for my community, fill in the blank, whatever it is that's your passion. If you don't have kids, you know, but you want to support nonprofits in your area. What person doesn't want to write a check to a nonprofit or give with their time? Right. If you have more time because you're more successful, now you can go give of your time as well. How do you balance the whole real estate, family, man, hockey rink, dad that you are? Like, how do you put balance everything? I don't sleep. <laughs> you're like, I sleep maybe an hour every night. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, I get up early and I don't watch, yeah. I don't watch TV. That's, that's really it. If I watch, an hour of TV a week, that would be a lot. And so there's some weeks, months in a row where I watch zero. I'd say the most entertainment I take in is probably Bruins games. So, and that's obviously only during hockey season. And it's definitely not like, oh, the Bruins are on. I'm not doing anything else. It's like, nope. If, if I've got good ice out back in my ice rink, I'm not going to watch the Bruins play. I'm going to go play myself, right? So you want to go play yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm only watching the Bruins game. If it's like I'm beat, it's the end of the day. Let's watch it. And usually I'm asleep by the second period anyway, because I can't stay up past 830. <laughs> That's 8:30. You seem like the person who wakes up at, like you said, early, and you I bet you have like a routine you do every day. Yeah. So I wake up either at 323 or 353, pretty much Hold every on. morning. Hold on. Three in the morning, Christian. No, not three, 323. Uh, dude, three, sorry, 323 in the morning, dude. <laughs> done. Why, why so early? I just, I get more stuff done. That's it. It's just math. So, dude, I love talking to you. You get me fired up. Have you ever driven past Amsterdam and you ever seen the, the big RV place called Alpenhouse? Alpenhouse RVs in Amsterdam. It's a no, huge RV place right on the side of the throughway in Amsterdam if you're going towards Albany. So uh, it's owned by the, the Heck family. Buddy Heck was the founder. He lives just a few miles from me. But his son, Andy, Andy's probably in his late 50s, uh, someone who I view as a mentor of mine who's helped guide me. And I remember just asking Andy, you know, just 10, 15 years ago, I would take Andy out to breakfast twice a year. And I, Andy was not a family friend. He, he was not someone that... I grew up knowing. I just kind of got to know him a little bit through the local community. And then I called him up one day and said, Andy, look, you're a guy running a successful business. I'm trying to grow my business. Could I take you out for breakfast every now and then and just pick your brain? And he's like, Christian, I'd love that. And what I've found is most really successful guys want to share with other younger 
entrepreneurs what to do, women do, right? They want to share what they did because usually it's, it's not some like, oh, I went to Harvard and Princeton and, you know, no, it's just like, here's what I did. So Andy told me that he was early growing his business. I mean, he's got thousand employees. He's selling hundreds of millions in RVs and pools and skis and all kinds of businesses. And he goes, I used to stay up till midnight and then I'd come home and I'd wake up at six and go right to work. I didn't see my kids. He's like, and then I just got in the habit of like, no, work's done at five, six o'clock, go home, spend my time with my kids, go to bed at a set time and wake up early every morning. He goes, at the end of the day, it's just math, right? Like there's only so many hours of sleep that you need. So Here's the phrase he gave me. He said, Christian, um, going to bed early is hard, but waking up early is easy. Okay? Hmm. Like waking up early is not that hard. It's just about what time you go to bed. Sure, it's hard to wake up at 3.30 if you're going to bed at 11. That's four and a half hours, right? I, I, can't, I can't operate on four and a half. But I know for me, I'm a, I'm a six or seven hour sleep kind of guy. I'm not eight, nine, or 10. Obviously, I'm not pretty enough for that. I didn't get my beauty sleep, right? So, like, <laughs> not a 10-hour guy. Like, if I get six, seven hours, I'm pretty happy with that. Anything less than six, I'm running a little empty. So, if I want to be up by 3.30, I just have to be in bed by 9.30. Can I be in bed by 9.30 every night? Pretty much, yeah. June is the hardest month of the year because it's light out till 10 after 9, right? So, sometimes it's just that bedtime People pushing away. But, yeah, it's just simple math. Just... Go to bed at the set time. Like, nope, I need six hours. I'm getting up at 3.30. I go to bed at 9.30. That's it. And waking up early has helped you with your routine overall, you think? Absolutely. Because when you wake yeah. up, you're, you're setting the stage for the day. I'm not rushed at 3.30. I know that I've got time to do everything I need to do to prepare for the day, mentally, spiritually, physically. I get my win the day sheet filled out. I review my goals. I do my quiet time. I do my reading, my prayer time. I get all my emails caught up. I mean, if I, if every once in a while there's a day where I'm like physically not doing well and I sleep in until 5.30 or 6, I, I feel like crap the whole day because I'm, I'm behind wow. the ball. If I sleep till 5.30, I, I just feel like just, I feel like I'm playing catch up all day and I'm being run by the day instead of me running the day. Interesting. And I feel like such a wimp talking to you because <laughs> I stay up till freaking 11. I want like, I, I have like the hour window after we put the kids to bed where I just like, I have me time to play some video games every now and then, but uh, that could be more utilized better. Numb learning. Like, why am I not utilizing that time a little bit differently? Man, you make me feel like I'm a slouch. <laughs> well, look, it and, and here's what I would say, you know, in complete transparency, I'm not perfect at this. There's days that I get screwed up. There's nights, especially my kids getting older. There's some nights where it's, it's 11 o'clock and I'm getting to bed and it is only going to be a four and a half or five hour night sleep. And then it's a, a power nap. There's actually a couch right here in the Howard Ann office. And, you know, our office admin, she would tell you there's times where I'm taking a 15 minute power nap midday because I only got four hours of sleep, but I'm still waking up at three 30. Right. Wow. Wow. So when you wake up, you're looking at goals. You're doing, uh, I think you said prayers, a win the day sheet. What is, yeah. what is on this win the, win the day sheet? Hold on. I'll get mine for today. Hold on. Amazing. I love this. This, this is why I asked him to be on the podcast because this man is prepared at all times. Yeah. So I fill out a win the day sheet every day. So just so you know, like I didn't know we were going to talk about win the day. So Corey didn't prepare me for this. So nope, not at all. See, there's the date, right? Nine six twenty three. Let me make sure there's nothing too private on here. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we got. It. All right. So I'm going to show each of these to you. So, um, and I can. I tell you what, Corey. If you send me an email, I'll send you a blank copy of this, and then you can share it with whoever you want. So sure. the way I do my win the day sheet, I don't know if you can see this, is I, I have a point system. Right. Let me go like this. So my point system is I have my my major goals. So this right here says what are the two most important things to get done today. Right. And I have two things. What are three secondary goals to get done today? I've got three things. And then I add up points. I've gotten in the habit of putting some bonus things over here because sometimes I get them all done. And so what happens is if I get less than five points, I lose my day. If I get between eight and seven points, I win the day. If I get all nine points, I crush my day. Okay. So these are worth two points. 
these are worth uh, one point, okay? So obviously I got four points here and three points there. So seven points, uh, we're good to go, right? So, uh, so anyway, this one was one-on-ones. So I'm setting up all my year-end one-on-ones with my agents right now, all right? And I only had about 10 of them set up. So first thing this morning at like 5.30, I sent out an email with a list of like 32 different days and times for agents to set up. So you can see, I already checked that box. So I made this list at whatever, 4.35 this morning, early in my day. And by 5.30, I already checked off one of my exes. Now the next one is database calls. I haven't done any of those yet today. So, but at four o'clock, I might be like, oh man, I got to make a couple calls real quick because I want my point, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, boat with gas. Oh, now check this out. You ready? See, there's yeah. no check mark. I'm going to put a check mark on it. I got a check mark. So last <laughs> night I'm out on the lake because I live on the lake here and we're out surfing and wake foiling and tubing. Do you know what foiling is? Wake foiling? No, what is foiling? Uh, it's like those hydrofoil boards that come out of the water. Oh, nice. It. Okay. It's all the rage now. So we're surfing behind the boat. The kids are out. We got three families on the boat. And at about seven o'clock, I'm like, dude, my gas is at 8%. Right. I'm like, I'm going to run out. So literally we got back to the dock last night and the gas is like 3%. Like I'm barely got enough to get across the marina tomorrow morning, but the gas is only open from 10 to five. So every day I get out of work and my like, gas is closed. Right. So this morning I had a couple appointments and then I had a one o'clock and you're three o'clock and I had like an hour and a half window. So I told my kids, we homeschool our kids. So I told my kids, I'm like, look, I know you're doing school today. I'm going to come in the door at 11:15. I want your board shorts on. We're going to go down the dock. You're going to grab the jet skis. I'm going to grab the boat. We're going over the marina. The reason I need you to come is I don't know if I'm going to get there on 2% of gas. So if I don't get the food, <laughs> you're going to throw me into the marina. So on my one hour lunch break, we filled the boat, we filled the jet skis. So I know it may not seem like that is a big goal. And that's not a business goal, but why is that a goal? Because if I didn't get gas by five o'clock, it's 90 degrees outside right now. If we want to go out on the boat tonight as a family, we can't do it if I don't have gas. And the marina right. closes at five o'clock, right? So yeah. $368 later, the boat is filled with gas because <laughs> gas on the lake is like seven bucks a gallon. It's ridiculous. Oh, but you know, whatever. So, hey, just more motivation to go sell another house, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> and then I got to work on some storage financing for a storage facility I sold. Uh, I need some Facebook content and I've got some mini work and market updates. So I've got all these different things on there. And so all day long, I'm just referencing this wind of day sheet as these are the things that are important for me to get done today. And I'll put them in my calendar as well. I'm a very, very calendar guy. Everything's in my calendar, so that way it, it happens. And everything in my calendar emails to me uh, when it's supposed to happen, so that way it's a reminder in my email box as well. Yep. Yeah, I'm a calendar guy too, especially since when I took uh, started getting into real estate, the amount of appointments I had and keeping everything all over the place, and I was always forgetting. Like even before real estate, I was always – and I was just working retail. I would forget that we had a family birthday party on a Saturday. You know yeah. what I mean? And I always felt like a schmuck that I waited – I totally forgot until the end. So we started being more religious with the Google calendar and it has saved our relationship tenfold because now yeah. she knows what I'm doing. We put the location in. If I'm showing a house, she knows where I'm going. Also from a safety perspective, that's also mm -hmm. nice to make yeah. sure she knows wh whose house I'm showing. Um, but that calendar has been like super important. I even like will yeah. schedule, I know it sounds crazy, but family time in there. No, it's not crazy. Work. That's the most important. Right, right. It just seems weird to put like family time on the calendar because I've, I like never had to do that. But it's super important because it also like locks me away from my phone, from trying to answer all those emails. It's like, nope, it's on the calendar for a few hours tonight. We're right. going to go for a walk, have dinner together. That's the game plan for tonight. So it's helped me balance life at least a little uh, bit. I'm trying to pull up my calendar to give you like a, an example, right? Like, you know, here's, here's my day for today, right? So all the blues are my appointments, right? You can just see how many are in there, but er yeah. everything's in there, right? It has to be. And my kids' hockey practice are in there. Like there's my month, right? And so that's got all different calendars on there. And uh, yeah. yeah, calendars, everything. So there's a good video. Go on YouTube and type in Stephen Covey, Big Rock, Small Rock. 
It's an old video from the 1980s. So obviously it's, it's going to show that it's a little dated in some of its uh, dress and some of the uh, uh, cultural uh, suggestions, but it's super relative to today. It's called Big Rock, Small Rock because you're supposed to put your big rocks in first in your schedule. And your big rocks are your family, your church, your personal stuff, right? Like your exercise, your personal time, your vacations, like put that in your calendar first and then everything else gets built around that. And what I've found that easy to do too is a customer calls you up and when does a buyer want to see a property? When it's immediately. Yeah. Or when when it's easiest for them. Right. So instead of like, I don't want to say to someone, well, um, like here's the way I feel in real estate. So tonight my kids got hockey practice, right? And if a buyer wanted to see a practice or see a house tonight, I would feel, I would feel ashamed to say this. And it's wrong that I feel this way. Hey, Sally. No, I'm sorry. I can't show you the house tonight. I got to bring my kid to hockey practice. I think realtors feel bad saying that because to be honest, our customers think that they should come before our kids. Mm-hmm. This is the way it is. So instead, here's what I can say, because the hockey practice is in my calendar. I can simply say, ah, Sally, I'm sorry. I'm already booked with appointments tonight. How about tomorrow at four? How about Thursday at six? How about tomorrow at 9 a.m.? Like tell them you can't just say, I've already got appointments. I'm already booked. And then give them three, four, five, six other options. And most of the time, what are they going to say? Yeah, I'll take Thursday at four. Exactly, exactly. You know, you know what the name of my boat is? What? Appointments. Because you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm out on appointments tomorrow night. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious, dude. <laughs> hey, ah, you know what? Tomorrow's not going to work. I'm already on appointments tomorrow night. God damn, Christian, you're so clever. I'm on appointments. <laughs> I was on appointments at lunchtime today, wasn't I? It was 90 degrees. I was speeding across the lake with 1% gas. I was on an appointment. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Besides using a calendar, what is one of the best tools a real estate agent can use? Not like the obvious phone or internet. Like, What is a super useful tool for a real estate agent? Uh, yeah. So Helen and Hottie are not telling me to say this, but I am a, I know it's not called real scout anymore, but I still call it real scout, right? So collaborative home search used to be called real scout by far the best tool that I've ever had as a realtor in 15 years. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, every MLS has some sort of automated search module for buyers, but real scout just blows them away. So that's the one tool that I think has made me the most money because it's just, it's super easy. It's intuitive. It's good for buyers to work with. And I put my sellers in there as well. You put your sellers in there too? Absolutely. Because every seller wants to know what houses are selling for in their neighborhood. So I just yeah. set my sellers up for a little search for stuff that's similar to their house. And now they're getting, they're getting valuable information that they want to know. Every seller wants to know what the Smiths just listed for. Every seller wants to know what the Johnsons just sold for. Right. Yeah. So just give them that information. And then every time they get that information, it comes through as here's an alert from Christian Klug. Here's an alert from Christian Klug. And now I'm top of mind because I'm sending them the market information. Right. And you're coming with something of value to them. Right. Oh, That's yeah, the big yeah. piece. I, I mean, I like Joe Rand's his uh, summer sprint series. He had something that really hit home with me, which was, uh, uh, you know, when you go to somebody's house, you never want to come empty handed. Right. It was something that his grandmother always told him. Someone invites you to the house. What do you do? You bring wine, you bring the bread, you bring something with them. And that is how you should look at your business is how can I bring something of value to this absolutely. person? Because that's, that's really the name of the game is like bringing something of value. So they know that you also now you're top of mind, but you're also providing something for them mm-hmm. rather than asking all the time for something, absolutely. you know, and, and we that, take it for granted. We think that people know stuff about real estate. Just because we're in the business, we think that everyone knows that that house down the street just closed for 400. They don't know that. They're not paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what this stock exchange is doing, right? I have a retirement account. I give money to my financial guy to 
invested for me for my retirement. I don't pay attention to that. That's what I pay him to do. And every right. quarter he sends me a market update and I read it. And that's, that is him being, showing his value, right? Giving you the market update and being like, here, here's where this, I do I stocks don't even, I have no idea how they work. I have yeah. no idea why they function. So thank God there's people out there who can take care of that. <laughs> you know, who's learning this right now. And I noticed this the other day, this industry is being smart because they're realizing that we just don't know. And that's the car industry, right? So what has happened with trade in values for cars over the last couple of years, they, they've skyrocketed. Right. So Toyota is doing the smart thing now. They're calling me up or emailing me and they're going, Hey, Christian, we know that you had a 2021 Toyota Tundra. Um, if you want, you can trade that in right now with 30,000 miles and the average trade in is 40 grand. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, the truck brand new is only 45 grand. So you're going to give right. me five grand less than I paid three years ago. Wow, maybe I will go buy a new one. And then, of course, you go look at the new one and they're 60. But by then, yeah. you're hooked in because the new yep. one is shiny and it's pretty. And <laughs> I did not buy a new Tundra. I traded it in for an SUV. But anyway, the point is yeah. the car industry is getting smart about this. They know that trade-in values are up, but I don't know because I don't pay attention right. to that. Right? But now yeah. they give me the information. Right. Suddenly, I go, holy cow. Yeah, maybe I will go buy a new vehicle if I can get that kind of trade. Yeah. What is the uh, best piece of advice you've ever gotten for real estate? Best piece of advice. Um, Holy cow. I stumped Christian. Yes. You know, here, here it would be. I'm this checking is, that off my win the day. <laughs> Checklist. This is, this stumped is Christian. the business in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a man, a woman, black, white, gay, straight, Christian, atheist. None of that matters you will get out of this business exactly what you put in. That's it. It is completely reliant upon you. Um, and if you aren't where you want to be, just look in the mirror. That is the reason, right? I mean, there might be other reasons, trust me. But ultimately, we still control that, right? I, I have two agents right now who are going to have their best year ever. And they're big producing agents. I mean, and they had great years in 21. 22, they struggled a little bit. And then you know what they did? They said, hey, 23 is in our hands. And even though the market transactions are down 27%, they're going to have the best year they have ever had. Why? Because their mindset was like, we're in control. doesn't matter if the markets go up and down. I just go get a bigger piece of the pie. It's all about the hustle, man. It's all in your hands. Yeah. And that's, and especially in a market right now, where everybody seems to be down sales are down just with less inventory it's really easy for agents to fall into that that uh that negative totally. self-talk that it's it's the market's fault and yada 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 and it's like well when we flip the mirror around like what have you done differently this year knowing that this year was going to be tough what 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 services, what products, what prospecting techniques have you introduced into your business this year, knowing it was going to be a harder year? Yeah. And a lot of times it's nothing, right? Sometimes it's yeah. a lot, you know, those agents that had their best year ever. I bet you they added some things to their, to their business. Guaranteed. Their business 100%. Yeah. What, did, what did Einstein say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? Like yeah, you right. do the same thing in 23 that you did in 22. You're, you're going to sell 27% real estate less because there's 27% less deals, right? Mm -hmm. So right. if there's 27% and less deals, you're going to just sell that much less real estate unless you take more action, unless you change your tactics, right? I wasn't on social media in 2011, right? 2012, 2013, I start getting on it and I suddenly realize, I'm like, man, I don't think the social media thing is going away, right? I tell new realtors right now, you can't be a secret agent in this business. And I understand that social media has got some negatives, right? That there's some, some areas of privacy that you're just not going to have. And there's some negatives that go along with it. There's some drama, there's some dirty laundry, there's some junk on there. Okay. But I bet you there, actually, I know for a fact, there's agents who didn't want to get this cell phone when they came out in the mid two thousands. Cause they go, well, they can just leave a message at the office. And actually, right. The first time you got a text message, what was your reaction? Now you're younger than me, so maybe this didn't happen for you. Uh, I was floored when I got my cell phone, my first cell phone. I was fifteen or sixteen, okay, and my see, mom got it because I got a job. 
Yeah. So like, sorry, Christian. Yeah, you're younger. You're like a decade yeah. younger. Like. My first cell phone was when I was a freshman in college. And back then, like almost no one had them. So the first text messages started happening. I'm in my, I'm already in real estate in my mid twenties. And I remember the first text message comes and I'm like, why would you text somebody? Why would you just call them? It's so much easier. Right. Like that was my naive thought. Right. And nowadays, what do we tell people all the time? They call us. And then what do we say? Uh, hey, when we hang up, can you text me? Right? Yeah. Like I said it to customers. And usually they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, I should have texted you. Yeah, you should have. Why'd you call me for? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you on the phone. Just send me a text yeah, message. Like, it's so true, right? So this is the mindset that we just have to change, right? So social media is one of those things where love it or hate it, man, it's here to stay. And sure, it may not be Facebook. It might be something else. But for now, it's Facebook. It's, it's where it's at. And uh, we just need to continue to look at that as ways to create relationships, build relationships, and build business. What are three things agents can do right now to help grow their business? Number one, social media, right? Social media, it, it just, you need to post. What do they have to do specifically on social media? Yeah, what what is going to garnish results? Yeah, so you need to post 10 times a week. Right. So I like to say you should aim to post twice a day. Right. And if you post twice a day and you miss, you'll still get the 10 per week and that's good. So post 10 times a week. And out of that 10 a week, I employ what's called the 75 25 rule. So 75% has nothing to do with real estate. It's kids, pets, nature, positive. And always stay away from the big three no nos. What are the big three no nos on social media? No Religion. politics. No religion and no dirty laundry, right? And dirty laundry, yep, that's the Here's the only thing I will say with religion. You can do a little of it uh, and just be, be understanding with it, right? Like I am a, a, an evangelical Christian, right? So I'm not going to not be who I am, but I'm not going to go into the deep social issues of our society on social media. Like, oh, yeah, nobody right. ever <laughs> said, you know, I thought this way, but then I saw a post on social media and totally changed my mind. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> I will post an occasional Bible verse or uh, I'll mention I'm going to church. And even my customers of mine who are atheists, who think completely opposite of me, they respect me and like that part of my life. So they're not going to be offended by that, right? Okay. But it's because it's reciprocal is a big part. It's because sure, you respect their beliefs and vice versa. So no dirty laundry, no politics, no religion. Just focus on kids, pets, nature, positive, right? So social media, that's number one, All right? Number two, you need to focus on your list of relationships. You need to go through your list of relationships and make sure you have name, address, phone number, email, like all their points of contact. And then that is your meal ticket. You can focus, you can use things like Active Pipe which is a Howard Hanna product, which I love. I'm all on active Same. right now. It's amazing, right? You can yep. pick up the phone and call them. Like I called a bunch of customers yesterday because now what's cool because text messaging has become so big. Now when you call someone, it's like super special. Like, ooh. Yeah. They Whoa, he called me? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? Um, so that's one, that's two. Uh, third, what was, ask the original question again. What are three things someone can do right now? Um, you ready? Third, show the frick up, right? Like that's it, man. It's not yeah. rocket science. Yep. Show up, just show up. Yep. Come Don't to be afraid to get your hands dirty. Yeah. I, I know for you, you have an office meeting and how many agents aren't there? Right. Good chunk. Over, over half of them for sure. You, you, you offer a big training. Like we had an active pipe training here the other day. And I'm like, man, I knew I, I could think of at least a dozen agents. Well, I'm like, why aren't they here? And right. if anyone watching this doesn't understand Active Pipe, the the stats are off the freaking charts of how good Active Pipe is, right? Like I sent an Active Pipe email to my COI. So this is my database, my center, the open rate. Now, an average email campaign has like an open rate of like three to four percent. Okay. So if you get like five or 10% open rate, that's like pretty good. You with me, right? Guess what my open rate was when I sent an active pipe email to my COI? I'm going to guess in the 30 to 40% range. 48%. I mean, and, and that was in like the first three hours. 
right? Yeah. I'm sure if I went back a couple of days later, it was probably up to 60%. And you know what? Out of the 400 people I sent it to, only two people unsubscribed. One of them, I didn't even realize he was still in my contact list, is my oldest sister's soon-to-be ex-husband. Well, yeah, no freaking crappy unsubscribe. Yeah, obviously. Right? Like, I should have <laughs> saw that coming, right? Uh, and the other one, I don't even remember who they were, right? But two people <laughs> unsubscribed out of 438. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I love the seeing the statistic and the breakdown, actually. So when this podcast uh, airs, it comes out on a Friday. Monday, I send an active pipe email to my COI. That basically just talks about the the podcast. And then I have three bullet points, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, what I'm reading, right? So I give them links to whatever they what I'm doing, basically. And then we have that option where you can get basically give them the breakdown of what's happening in real estate per zip code. So have that. I'm hitting them with something of value, and then I send it. And I was at uh, 20% open rate, which was pretty good, yeah, pretty good. decent. But I also have uh, I got to go through my contacts and get rid of the the non-active people that yeah. you know I met at an open house four years ago and ha- hasn't opened an email or said anything to me since. You know, sure. so I gotta I do have to do that. Maybe that will help my open rate a little bit. But 20% was still decent for for episodes i mean at least they're clicking on stuff and i can see what they're doing but the point how we got an active pipe is how many people didn't show up to the training and now they don't know about this tool right so that's why any agent who comes in the door i'm just like just show up if you show up you're you're ahead of 50 percent of the people out there because they don't show up it just blows me away you gotta show up yeah well it's just it's it's hard when this business is a self-sustaining business because there's uh there's just different people who this that type of business structure doesn't it doesn't vibe with their personality they would much rather be in that nine to five job not that there's anything wrong with it just their personality is better for someone to be like i need you to do xyz today rather than leaving it up to themselves to decide and figure out what to do that day i think that layer makes this job especially harder for people you know yeah so i don't know it's a fun job and i and i love it what um now that you've been in it for so long, is there anything that like on your checklist that you want to do in real estate, like your, your bucket list of real estate? Well, so I had a goal to have 40 rentals by the time I turned 40. I am 42 a week from today, a week from yesterday. And uh, right now I'm at 32 rentals. So I'm a little behind. So I said, yeah, you know what? Let's shoot for 50 by 50. So I'll definitely make that that one. I only got to get 18 more units by the time I turn 50. So, um, Is your rental units mostly multifamilies? Yes. So I have 26 residential multifamily and six commercial, right? Whoa, and then if I want to cheat, I've, I've got a bunch of storage units. So I guess I have more than 40 rentals, but storage units don't count. So uh, I'm in contract on a storage unit now. I'm building one and I already have one. So my storage units should be about 150 probably by middle of next year when I close on a couple of projects. So, um, but storage, mm-hmm. user, I kind of see them differently than residential. So um, what do I want to own? What was the question? What goal? And what do I want to buy? Anything you know? on your real estate bucket list you oh, want to totally. check off. So there's a lake in the central Adirondacks called Racket Lake. It's probably the most remote lake in the Adirondacks. It's very far from basically everything, not too far from Syracuse, uh, you know, probably an hour and a half. In Racket Lake, uh, 75% of the houses on Racket Lake, you don't get to them by road. You can only get to them by a boat. They're boat access only. They have power and internet that comes under the lake to the houses. And it's a huge lake, gorgeous lake. And uh, a dream would be to own a boat access only property on Racket Lake. We camp up there every year. We use the state campsite because we don't own anything. We bring our boat up there. We love Racket Lake, so I would just love to have a boat access property. Just the idea of being out there with, you yeah. know, almost like not no distractions because you still have internet and power, but just a lot yeah. more It'd be cool. Yeah, right. At least that's the cool thing about this job too is you, it's like pickup and mobile. Like you can go wherever and work. I mean, you've worked from freaking Costa Rica, right? Like yeah. you, <laughs> I've seen I've seen you post. You're like, oh, working while you're like on a beach in Costa yeah, Rica. Well, that's, that is the Airbnb that we own in the Dominican Republic. So I'm actually heading down there next week for just a weekend. So I'll go down on a Wednesday, come back on a Sunday. And usually when I'm there, I still work like a four to six hour day every day in the morning because we have fiber high speed internet. So 
the yeah. joke is, and this is true in real estate, right? If you want to get busy as an agent, what should you do? You go on vacation. Go on vacation, right? Because the minute you go on vacation, so sure enough, I'm booked to go there next week for four days. And what happens today? I get three calls. Every, hey, Christian, yep. can you come list this? Hey, Christian, can you list this? Oh, I want to see. I'm like, oh my goodness. So sure enough, I'll probably sell two properties while I'm in the Dominican. But hey, that's awesome. Right. Well, I mean, good for you. You work in four to six hours. So, I mean, you wake up at freaking 3.23 and by seven o'clock, you're done. <laughs> usually, I, seven I'm like until four. So usually I yeah. get up about four in the Dominican and then usually I'm done by like nine or 10. And I'm like, all right. I did and five then the kids there. are just waking up and it's perfect time. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the nice thing with Dominican, it's a, it's a 12 hour day, no matter what, like the sun and the dark. So every almost every time of the year it's dark at six thirty seven. So it's you don't stay up much past nine anyway because we don't have a TV yeah. in our house there. It's a beach house with no TV. So it's like, what do you do past nine o'clock? You play a couple of card games a bit. Yeah, <laughs> Christian, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's uh, I feel like I'm leaving this conversation charged up and ready. It's awesome. been uh, awesome. My yeah, my pleasure. Well, thanks, man. And uh, I appreciate you as always. Uh, is there any like links or anything you want me to put in the show description or anything below? So, you know, what's funny is for a while I was maintaining a, a, a website for my speaking and I don't have any of that anymore. So, you know, the only book I would say to recommend if you haven't read it is The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Um, that's a great book to really get you started on your morning, waking up, being strategic, win the day. Uh, you know, a lot of my stuff is borrowed from Hal Elrod. So Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That's H-A-L-E-L-O-R-D. So there's there's the shout out for that book. I don't have any benefit of you buying it other than you get to get what I got, which is great. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate your time and energy, awesome. your uh, wealth of knowledge. And uh, pleasure. Thank I'm you. all fired up now, dude. I want to go sell some houses now, dude. That's Waking right. up at 4 a.m. I missed a couple of calls. I'm going to sell some as soon as we hang up. Yeah. <laughs> and I got like three agents out my door. They're all like, Christian, how long are you on Christian, this call? What is going on, dude? <laughs>